everybody, we're the Con Artists, back for bi-weekly podcast number three. So let's see how all our shows are doing. Dan, I'm going to ask you to start with the amazingly titled Blood of Wars. Now remember our rule of thumb from last bi-weekly podcast. You are required to describe Blood of Wars to us with two amazing adjectives. You have already wasted sublime trash. <laughs> um, this, this time around, I think I'm going to have to go with crystallized failure. Oh, that's good. It's... That's oh, yeah. good. I wasn't actually, actually the... aware that uh, that failure was in a liquid form to begin with, and therefore could be crystallized. Well, it always sinks to the bottom, so it just kind of flows into all the crevices. Solid. Solid. What were you saying, Scott? I think that was actually the title of uh, this past year's Genericon. Was it? Ah, oh, man. thought I yeah, something Yeah, sublime new. and crystallized okay. failure, still... to be precise. <laughs> you can still use that. They're good words. Oh, of course. I mean, it's a very applicable term, like festering malignancy. <laughs> or squamous nice. hole. Exactly. Yeah. Dan, don't blow them all on just this cast, man. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You're going to run out. You're going to run out. Uh, well, all right. In the interest of moving on from that, uh, Blood of Wars it just continues to be the worst. It Its production quality is through the floor. I... I feel bad for the people working on this because they're clearly like nobody cares about this show. That much is clear. I don't know who Dan, isn't it isn't it just possible that they're just they're just going home on time instead of staying late? Like they might actually be having an okay life right now. That's interesting because that actually comes up in girlish number, a show I'm actually enjoying. Yes, it does. But we'll talk about oh. that later. Well, Alright then. For now, it's just the animation quality just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Uh no no one is making this their magnum opus. I need to look the I need to look this up again. I think it's actually based off of some kind of web manga. Basically the basically a webcomic essentially. That's what we're that's what we're adapting here. And hmm. so far Anime, I, are we that desperate that we have to pull from some random web manga? Like come on I mean, now. What if it's a really good manga? I mean webcomic thing. I mean obviously this one isn't, but <laughs> I mean I can think there are probably more deserving ones out there. This certainly doesn't seem to count itself among them. I don't know. Maybe the original is amazing. Somehow I doubt it. But well, um, I don't know. I'd give Fall Man from Blood of Wars now an Eisner if I could. <laughs> He's he hasn't done a lot of that actually. Most of this has been most of the most recent episodes have been like flashbacks and people not reading instructions like Remember, if you use this technique to save to save a blood of war, they may go into a berserker rage, and then he's surprised when his subject goes into a berserker rage. Hmm. So, so it's like Fate Stay Night complex. Shiro, I told you to stay in the house. I accidentally ventured outside and had snacks with the enemy. Uh. You idiot. <laughs> uh, you no, no, no. The actual worst at this. The thing is, he actually had time to conceivably get hit on the head and forget that kind of thing between leaving the house and, you know, snacks with the enemy. This guy literally just read the thing, went around, performed a blood transfusion, then was surprised when this happened, and then flashed back to the instructions. Like, hmm, now that I think about it, it seems so obvious. <laughs> wow okay so i am not uh i'm not really looking forward to that and like we are six episodes in and the plot has barely gotten anywhere we are we have we have just broken out of the warehouse facility where all these criminals are being kept they have found the super criminal the apex criminal from which all other prison all their criminals are molded this just ridiculous red-haired punch machine who spends all of his time just Op with open disdain for all of those around him who are yet 
somehow following him, like, fanatically, I guess just because he is the strongest guy in the room. So I can oh think of worse gosh. reasons. But now, Dan, what episode are you on for Blood of Wars? I think it just wrapped six? up six. I think it just wrapped up six. And now there's okay. a goddamn dragon. So now that oh. you're... Oh, my gosh. So now that you're about halfway through, is it a 13er? I think so. Okay. We'll just pretend that it is. So now that it's about halfway through, is it? Is it starting to break into the territory of like scroido, like straight cougar, where it's purposely making fun of itself? Like, do you think I... it, it's it's so bad it's f funny and it knows it's funny, or is oh, it playing the whole thing straight? Heavens, up? no! It is playing it as straight as it can, and Holy that's crap. the part that. That's the part that depresses me. It's like nobody looked at this and realized... Either nobody looked at this and realized it was garbage, or they realized it right away and everyone is putting in the amount of effort that they deem it to be worthy of, which is virtually none. So I'm kind of hoping that's the case, that everyone realized what kind of trash they were working with and decided just, nah, I'm just going to collect my paycheck and go home and try to lead a fulfilling life outside of work. Well, good for them. Mm. So... Moving on from Blood of Wars, because there's so little plot that I honestly still am not 100% certain of what's going on. Uh, what are you watching now, Sue? You're still on... Uh... Glorious Yuri on Ice. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Oh, man. Glorious Yuri on Ice. Okay, well, uh, I'll be talking about episodes 5 and 6 of Yuri on Ice for this cast. Uh, episode 5, it was okay, it wasn't that interesting. So, so from episode 4... Uh, Yuri, Japanese Yuri, has won Victor as his coach, and what happened is Yuri has, he lost in the Grand Prix Finals, which basically means he has to, like, fight his way through a bunch of different competitions to get back into the Grand Prix Finals to qualify once again. He doesn't just get to try again this year, he actually has to qualify through multiple cups. So, uh, we, we had a cup that was, uh, that was run for episode five and we meet one of his rivals but also biggest fans this little guy named minami and i i think what was neat about this episode is that you would think yuri like japanese yuri when you you learn about his character he's like he gains weight easily and he's easily discouraged and he doesn't really believe in himself and you're like oh i got this guy pegged he's like down on his luck guy who needs like big, strong, sexy Victor to come in and help him regain his, like, manliness and ability to figure skate, and that is 100% not true. Those are two words he I never just... thought would go together, but they make it work. I know, right? <laughs> hey, man, you say blood of ores several times on this cast, okay? You're not, you're not allowed to accuse my two words together. <laughs> so... Uh, he, he just, like, comes into his own when he figure skates with her. I think Victor helps and, and really enhances him as a person, but he really just comes alive. He's, like, figure skating is what makes him, and he's he's such a complicated person. And I love that about the show, and the, the more I'm watching it, the more I realize how much effort they're really putting into the fact that Yuri is a totally different guy when he's on the ice rink. He wants things. He he breaks rules that Victor sets for him. Actually, they, they have the program where he's supposed to be uh, taking out some of his jumps, because some of the jumps he does, he's not that good at. And Victor's like, just take them out so that you score more points and just focus on the performance part. And he tries to do them anyway. He ends up missing one of his jumps so hard he slams into the wall of the ice rink uh, and gets a nosebleed. That's when you have but to Victor's... tiptoe your way off the ice. You're not winning gold. Yeah, you're like, oh, it hurts. But he ends up doing well anyway because he puts on this, like, impassioned performance. Hmm. And... 
he he does okay. And Victor's sitting there like, why didn't you just listen to me? And he's like, because I wanted something. It was my time on the ice and I, I wanted something. And it's, it's really, really neat to watch. Uh, the other thing is that I, I think I was really harping on the fact that this entire show is Fujoshi bait. And it is, don't get me wrong. But it's also, I, I feel like it's turning into a genuine romance between two men. Like, Yuri is clearly attracted to Victor on on a romantic sexual level. And they don't make fun of that. They make fun of a lot of the other characters around those two. And, and Victor is still a fan service generating machine. <laughs> but Yuri, like, Yuri gener genuinely is in love with Victor. And I think Victor genuinely feels some sort of attraction to Yuri. Uh, not just for his figure skating, but for his person. And I think they're building this this romance between them that I, I don't know if it'll culminate into anything in the end, but they're building a romance which feels more genuine than I've seen out of a show like this and certainly expected out of a show like this. So kudos to that. The art has improved a lot, uh, oh, which, which made me happy. Yeah, there was a oh, problem gosh. last time. That was rough. So thank goodness the art has improved, but now I need to get to episode six. So they go to Beijing, for the China short program that he has to perform. So he does Eros once again. Yuri does Eros. Uh, Japanese, or er, sorry, Russian Yuri is not part of this program, by the way. But he, he meets his friend and, and pseudo-rival uh, Pichit, I believe is his name. And what's so fun, or Pichit, and what's so fun is that, so the show has, obviously you figure skate to music. The show wrote its own music for for this these programs and there's like four or five different skaters and the show wrote its own music like i tried to look up some of the music that they were mentioning they're like and now the skater from america dances to this or figure skates to this and i couldn't find it it's a it's a piece of music they made up just for this episode just for this moment for these skaters and you can actually go on youtube and find these songs like two and a half minute three minute long songs oh wow so um, they don't play the whole song in the episode they don't you don't end up hearing the whole thing but you hear enough of it that you know someone took the time to compose this thing usually what happens oh, wow. in these kinds of things is they'll make up some name of a song and they'll cut back to the lead character monologuing so you don't actually hear the song so they're not forced to to genuinely put it out there or they'll have the character who's figure skating along to the song monologuing so you're supposed to hear them talking and you're not supposed to be paying attention to whatever the heck song they're they're playing no 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 no. the song is playing and you hear it in addition to the fact that they this character monologues for a little bit the best one is Fichit's song because he's dressed in this outfit that makes him look like he's from Anna and the or the king and I and then the king, the king and I, and he, I was like, wow, okay. So he's like, I'm going to perform Shall We Skate from The King and the Skater. And so I'm laughing and I'm like, okay, this is a play on the in-world universe has decided there's a movie called The King and the Skater or it's The King and I on Ice. Hmm. But he's like, all right, I'm going to do Shall, Shall We Skate. So he starts, he starts figure skating to it. And I was like, okay, uh-huh. And all of a sudden... He's like talking about it and he's like, many skaters have skated to this song, but I am going to make it my own. And it's like mumbling the song in the background and all of a sudden it's like, shall we skate? And I was like, is this even happening right like now? Like in English? 
in English. <laughs> in oh, English. God. And you can go look this song up right now if, on YouTube. There is a single of it. It feels and very And I think Euro-vision. someone commented. Yeah, somebody commented it's on Spotify, too. So, guys, like, you need to look up this song. Apparently, it's there so is legit. no excuse. Like, it's so beautiful, guys. In English, like, the lyrics are just amazing. It's like, you left your country to move around the world. Shall we skate? And I was like, I need this on, like, platinum right now. <laughs> Bump this to platinum, top billboards. But it was great. I loved it. It was phenomenal. The art's back to being great. I'm excited to see Yuri's progression to the, the Grand Prix. Things are going really well with that show. So I rambled a lot, but... Scott, tell us about the Gundams. Oh man, you know the Gundams are going good places. So the last couple of times, it's been the you know the team in outer space fighting off pirates and dealing with Gallarhorn that sort of thing. But the last few episodes, which would be five and six, are focusing on uh, Tekadon, which is the name of the main character's sort of organization, has a branch on Earth in addition to their main branch on Mars, and. Like all the main, basically none of the main characters are really on Earth. There's some side characters from the first season that are basically down there, kind of running the Earth branch, and essentially, like they're all they're all still basically kids because that's kind of the whole deal with their organization. And like these adults come in that are military advisors for the country they're they're helping, cut off communications between Earth and and the Mars branch, and then sort of slowly take over like the leadership of this group to have them fight a guerrilla war against another country on Earth. Like, they're basically being used as sort of mercenaries in this war without really understanding what's going on. Like, they're under the impression that they're still, you know, that they're, whatever, the guys that are telling them what to do are are talking with the bosses back on Mars. Ah, so it's Uh, just... But they're not. It's just them playing these guys, effectively. It's just them playing these guys as much as they can, but, like, they act pretty sympathetic towards the kids to sort of just lead them in the direction they want, but they're definitely just throwing their lives away for, it's actually kind of unclear what their higher purpose is, but they have a larger strategy, which is obvious. It's just, I'm not sure what they're going for yet. Hmm. And so it's, it's actually largely been about the, the child leader of the earth branch trying to deal with the situation and he's having a rough time of it, but I mean, it's, it's certainly good, good drama. And uh, still, you know, some pretty good mech fights. And you're kind of like, all right, is is Mars Branch going to ride to the rescue or are all these kids going to get killed down here? Holy crap. So. Now, has Cordelia come back into the plot? You mentioned that last time. Is she still kind uh, of an no, outlying I mean, she's, character? She's pretty much back on, on Mars uh, being protected. So, like, while she might be doing something, she's not in these episodes almost at all. Mm. Uh, it's the, the focus is pretty, pretty, like, right on Earth, pretty much. Wow. Uh, so I like the change of focus. And it's, you know, and since you have none of the main characters, like the real main characters there, you know, you don't have any of the most amazing fighters and the craziest mechs. I mean, it's really just kids in standard issue mechs and stuff trying to fight their way through this thing. Neat. So that they don't have plot really armor, basically. Yeah, it's good. I'm really enjoying it. So uh, what you're saying is that none of the kids can make quantum copies of themselves and... You're going to make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to laugh, man. No. Oh it, no, I don't want to think about old Noah season two again. Yeah, because it it's not it's not ha ha, this is so bad. It's oh man, how did this get so bad? Yeah, how did how did it how did it come to this? Mm. Oh well, before I get too depressed, let's move on. What do, how about you, Dan? What do you got next? Um well I mentioned before uh watching uh Girlish Number and uh Brendan mm. I know has also been following this uh if he wasn't able to join us this week, but uh he sends his regards. 
And as far as uh, Girlish Number goes, it's still going strong. These last episodes, a little less exciting, I think, than the previous ones. Um, partly, uh, it's about the basically all of the chicanery that has gone on in the background that you've only caught glimpses of them until this point of, you know, all of the rushed meetings, the producers overselling this entire uh, series that the characters are working on, the merchandising. What, 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 what kind of show are they making anyway? It's, like... it's some light novel adaptation harem thing. It's as stereotypical and okay. forgettable as you can imagine. I think Cal Yeah, Moon it's a light novel fantasy that's harem in nature. Oh yeah, it's okay. it, it's nothing to write home about. And like the more experienced uh, actresses, they know this. They realize this from the get go. And the other girls, they're not like caught up in it any in any way. But it's like this is their first big break. They think this is going to be awesome. Then they see the first episode. It's like this looks like garbage. It looks like garbage. <laughs> Uh, the main character, her voice acting, at least early on, is simply awful. Everything about it is just like, it's it's watching the chickens come home to roost. And while there's a good deal of, you know, joy to be found in that, watching this house of cards slowly start to collapse as the producer just basically, as far as I can tell, strolls through the office, casually throwing everyone else under the bus <laughs> with the <laughs> yeah, biggest so smile gosh. on his face. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh, what that... was that? That scene, Dan, where he um. So after s this first core of the light novel is over, they're in a board meeting. Scott, you would have loved this scene because mm -hmm. it's just a bunch of like copy and pasted men in black suits. Like they all look the same. Oh yeah. And they're the board, and they have to report on the fact that they're they're red basically. So Kuzu, oh. the 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 main producer, Mister Trash, he like. He's like, don't worry, to his assistant, right-hand man, he's like, don't worry, don't worry, I got a plan, I got a plan. So they are in this board meeting, and he's just like, blah, 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 don't worry, we uh, we are of the, you know, it took a lot of ramp up to get this show to where it is, and, and to make it out into the market. So that's really where I, I think some of our, our misgivings happened. And then he just points to his assistant and goes this guy will give you the actual details on why everything's red and all of those guys just go Voomp, and like yeah, stare, at him. stare right at him just this and <laughs> he's just like oh and i'm like you jackass oh uh, and this again the guy he's not like he's not outwardly sleazy he's all smiles and like this kind of good-natured buffoonery which you can see why people don't immediately call him out on this but at the same time it's like this can so easily be pinned on him he has overpromised the the writer is the writer is basically lost his mind at this stage can't even remember where he is or the fact that the anime is being made about his uh novel yeah he's straight up delusional that really oh. that really hurt me a little bit it was just like wow i, I know he's supposed is, to kind of be the awful to watch i know he's supposed to kind of be the butt of the joke but at the same time it's like this guy has some serious social anxiety at the very least and this is this is almost cruel in a way but so things are falling apart. Things are falling apart with him. The production is way behind, and every time they request change, something has to either come in under the wire or it just doesn't happen at all. And there's we're just we don't get to see it as much as I kind of would have liked. But because this is still this is not even the first full half of the show, I'm willing to bet that they're going to either follow this into a second season or to a different job further on down the line. Um, 
this show, this was just kind of to get us introduced to the whole affair and how this all plays out. And mm. it's, it's really, I know that it's, it's all, it's certainly romanticized to a degree. And even with its cynicism, you know, you're still getting to see some of how the sausage is made. And a lot of it is like, ah, this, this is like any creative endeavor. I work in games. I have seen, not to this extent, I have seen some things like this where features have to be changed or whatever. And, Fortunately, we where I work, we've got a really good team. But this place is just barely hanging on by its fingernails. And it's a little sad for the people working on it, but it's delightful to watch uh, someone like Chitose, who has been almost irredeemably awful to everyone around her. Smug, self-centered, entitled, everything about this. Just watching her realize, oh God, they hate me. But yeah, life's not a picnic. Oh, but she's still so self-centered. She doesn't realize that she doesn't realize she's the reason nobody likes her. And her brother, <laughs> her 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 uh manager slash brother guy, is there. He's like, you really are awful, aren't you? I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but it's my job. So, Bill's got to get paid. <laughs> I think oh, that's hard. Good luck. A little, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh, I think that's what's a little soul-breaking about the show is that. I mean, we actually have a character in episode uh, six that's like, well, I just work here because it's my job. Like, mm -hmm. I do this, I endure this, I deal with all this suffering because it's my job and this is my company. And it it Very much it the feels Japanese so, work ethic. I know, right? It feels so Dilbert to me yeah. in the same way Dilbert hurts me because I'm actually an engineer and some of it's too <laughs> real. Yeah. I think this hurts me a lot because it's it's just too real. It's just these people enduring or the show just tosses stuff in there that gets completely skipped. Like actually that episode one Dan was talking about where they watch. So Chitose's voice acting is so bad that they actually use synthesis to make her voice sound different. So when you hear that character talk and she's so excited to hear herself, I was listening and it, it's not Chitose's voice. They like synthesized the stuffing out of it to make it sound different. I didn't Because that, that was the stage where she was so bad. Yeah, it's like... Like it's auto-tune her. Yeah, they it's like distorting it so that it sounds like something else. And I was like... And they never mention that. They just blow right past it. Or the fact that, you know, nobody really says anything after the, the guy who's writing the light novel loses his marbles. Like, it just happens. These things are all just collateral damage on this warpath to make this garbage. And it's it's hard to watch sometimes. It really is. Mm. That is true. It it gets a little it gets a little too real now and again, uh, especially if you have any background in a, you know, entertainment industry or anything that involves you know tight deadlines and projects like that but it's still really fun to watch and i'm enjoying the characters and i'm really looking forward to learning more about them we haven't gotten a lot of that recently but we get you know tidbits and we've we firmly established all the characters like personalities and sort of what they're about on a professional and at least vaguely personal level so i'm hoping that we start to get into more of you know how do they get into this what is their what what is their uh, real stake in this game, and how long can Shidose go before you know reality finally sinks in? It's been hitting her over the head, but she hasn't been noticing. Agreed. <laughs> I'm I too am interested to see how the characters progress because obviously they're the heart and soul of this this whole show. Mm. 
so back over to uh, you, Sue. Uh, what is? It's true. It's it's time for March comes in like a lion. Oh yeah. So this one's actually behind a week. So I'm be talking about episodes four and five. Uh, episode four. I'm not going to talk too much about. Uh, it's it's really just Ray Kiriyama. I realized I haven't mentioned the lead character's name up until this freaking cast. Uh, Ray Kiriyama is the lead character and it, the the show is continuing to sp explore his relationship with the three sisters uh, akari hina and momo and you know just just kind of weaving the story of his life so i, I don't want to get too much into it. actually episode four was a little bit disappointing i think the show has a hard time balancing its comedy aspect sometimes mm. it, it does these like rapid cuts and like quick cutaways to an aside or like a little chibi thing or you know this dream sequence thingy and i'm like whoa, whoa, whoa this is crazy and uh, i think shaft is is fairly well known for the rapid cuts i mean you look at like any of the monogatari's the like bakemonogatari and it's just like rapid cut rapid cut rapid cut rapid cut translators no translator no rapid cut it's so fast it, it almost gives you whiplash watching that show but this is not the type of show meant for that and it, it's very confusing so they take me just saying is shaft was the wrong choice yeah, yeah, it was it was a little, no, I don't think Shaft was the wrong choice because Shaft very very clearly loves this manga. I mean, the art is so gorgeous and continues to be so gorgeous. There's so much love. Oh. Un, so unlike the exact opposite of Blood of Wars, <laughs> this show has so much love poured into every inch of it that I I just I feel so happy watching it. even when Ray actually Ray has a very difficult life and I'll get to that with in a minute even looking at ray's life be difficult just the love poured into the show makes me so happy like it helps me understand that not everything is run like girlish number yeah. says it is there's there's a happiness and a, a beauty to the show not just artistically but in the translation like the way they're trying to to tell this story and very clearly pulling from the manga and understanding the emotion going on in these sequences because like i said none of this drama is supernatural none of this drama is you know anything but real people experiencing real emotions so really really well done i just think it sometimes has a, a hard time with the the comedy piece but it explores you know episode four explores hina's first love a little bit and actually a potentially a sexual assault that ray has gone through so that was a little rough mm. um it's amazing the way it balances that once again, that like soft and hard, that light and dark, like Ray watches Hina experiencing middle sister Hina experiencing the joys of and the heartbreak of, of first love or first crush, I should say. And at the same time, it in him reminds him of maybe it was his first love or potentially the first time something that might have been love hurt him. So it's this amazing play on, on dark and light. But um, episode six, I think, was very, very, sp or five, I should, sorry, was very special because we've been exploring the relationship with Ray and the sisters, and it's the very first time we explore the relationship with Ray and Shogi. So if you guys remember from episode, or po podcast one, episode one, uh, Ray plays Shogi professionally, and he lives by himself, so he makes money off of professional Shogi games that he plays. And I actually thought Shogi was the other weakest part of the show, because they would show these Shogi matches he was having, and I never understood what the heck was going on, because this, this show doesn't teach you to play Shogi. <laughs> Uh, so it's like, why would you take my, you know, golden general? Why didn't you go for the silver general and my pawn? And I'm like, 
I don't I don't even know the pieces of Shoki, <laughs> much less how to play this game. So I felt like those sequences were weak because I had no idea what was going on. And it's like the show knew that or something. And it gives me this whole episode all about his heartbreaking relationship with Shogi. Um, and it also sheds a lot of light on his feelings towards his whole family dying in a car accident. And we're not talking typical anime and then my parents died. They're never on Which screen. is the most common way for parents to not be present. Exactly. You know, anime, or they're like, freaking working the overseas in America. This is like, there's a sequence where the room is entirely gray and their bodies are on slabs covered. Yeesh. Like, it's that, this is that kind of my parents and my little sister died in a drunk driving accident where a trucker hit them. It's... It's just the way it's shot, the way it's colored, it's it's heartbreaking is, is the only word I have for it. It's heartbreaking. And then understanding what his relationship with Shogi is when he's adopted and shedding some light on maybe who this first love girl was that might have assaulted him later and caused him great emotional pain actually gets played out. So episode five is just incredible. I mean, it's the show getting back to form and, and really driving a stake into your emotions and, and digging very, very deep into Rey. And I don't want to spoil it. I, I won't talk about too much what his actual relationship with Shogi is. But suffice to say, it's it's not what you think it is. So it was, it was a shock to me. And it was a beautifully done episode. I, I, I kind of teared up in episode five. So really just, just so well done. There's so much love, so much care, so much beauty in this show. Um, I hope it continues all the way through because it's just one of those shows I love to watch. Nice. Mm -hmm. So, phenomenal. All right, so we're coming to the end. Uh, Scott, you haven't gotten to talk about your last one, I think. It's true, yeah. Boy, let me just follow up that thing about heartfelt amazingness and, and deep emotional, uh, you know, depth and exploration with classicaloids. Yes! Like that's, that's definitely the next thing that comes after that. We're coming full circle. Uh, it's beautiful. It's like poetry. So, yeah, Classicaloids has uh, had uh, episodes four and five since the last time we talked. And uh, you know what? Episode four kind of got back on track a little bit. And by back on track, I mean it wasn't terrible. Like, as as awful as uh, four was. Uh, so five, or I'm sorry, as three was. So four basically introduces Schubert, uh, the new, the, you know, the new Classicaloid. And in the preview, he had been a guy who was like, oh, Beethoven Senpai, I have to find you. And you're like, oh, no, it's I don't want to deal with those. this guy. He's going to be one of those. And he kind of is. But for one thing, he actually kind of looks like his historical counterpart. At the very least, he looks somewhat dignified, unlike, say, Mozart. I hate uh, Mozart so hate much. Mozart. You, ever, you, you ever look up the, you ever look up the, uh, the definition of dignified? And then when you look up its antonym, Mozart, it's just a picture of him. Yeah. It's, yeah, this, the picture of this Mozart. Like, guys, whoever's listening to this, you got to go find a picture of Mozart. He's just the worst. But uh, so Schubert is basically, like, on a journey to find Beethoven. And the show basically makes sure that he hasn't ever quite run across him for the course of this episode. But instead, we have his journey. So, like, the other classicaloids at this point kind of get everyday life and you know, whatever, modern technology. But Schubert seems like he just basically came directly out of the, you know, the, the century that he's from normally hmm. and just got plunked down in the middle of Japan. So he doesn't understand traffic lights or like cars or whatever. So he's on this journey and he's like, what is all this crazy stuff? Where am I? Am I dreaming? 
uh, and like makes a lot of references to, I guess, a song he wrote about this devil king. He's like, is the devil king punishing me for not writing my music properly? Uh, and then he comes across like a music box that has Mozart recordings on it. And like Mozart, I guess at the time, a lot of critics had said that his work was sort of riffing off of Mozart's, like he didn't have any original work. So he's just sitting there in this like antique shop cursing at this music box in front of the, the store owner who's like, what is going on? And at the same time, the other music box goes off and it's Beethoven. He's like, oh, so beautiful, so majestic. I hate you forever. You are a sinner. Oh, so lovely. <laughs> and you're like, oh my goodness. And like, he just kind of like has a journey and like comes across. So meanwhile, there's a gyoza festival in town oh, because no. of course there is. And Beethoven loves gyoza. And like, uh, for contrived reason, Schubert ends up taking over a gyoza stand for a while and kind of like really gets into making gyoza. He's like, you know, the hissing of the water and the the rhythm of putting the meat in the stu- in the, the flour and putting it on the grill, like has a sort of musical rhythm to it. So he kind of like really gets into like, just like humming and singing and making gyoza. And it's actually kind of fun to watch. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, I admit it was okay. <laughs> it was an okay it, episode. Like I'll it may have been the best one more. so far. I I think your yardstick may be a little warped at this point, guys. Probably, yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean, our yardstick is a full-blown sickle at this point. But I think um, also what was interesting was not that I actually expect the show to have a plot, but it was the very first time I think the like things were happening semi-organically. Like Schubert was actually walking around accidentally letting his music power out. He didn't have to do it with... Like everywhere he went, people were suddenly developing infantile... Uh, feelings and it was because there was some song that he wrote which was like a lullaby and without actually using music like doing the crazy transformation sequence he was accidentally like leaking it out everywhere so everybody he would pass would develop infantile syndrome and turn back into a baby oh geez like mentally so it was the very first time i think we saw some inkling that there's like more to the classic alloids than just like doing stupid stuff and then transforming and then you know weird trippy lsd sequences happening yeah like it does seem like they're eventually going to reveal what the deal is with the classic alloids like for real in, in the show's canon rather than just saying oh yeah they're here and for no reason right um and then episode five i mean episode five was uh i mean it was it was all right it wasn't it wasn't as good as four but it wasn't as bad as three i guess i would say and it basically focuses around like, and I, I was actually kind of surprised. Beethoven finally makes the gyoza he's been searching for this whole time, uh, which actually turns out to share a connection with Kanae's father, who broke them out of classicaloid prison or something. Like, there's a, there's a backstory going on that isn't really super clear. But uh, like, by the end of the episode, he's actually created the thing he's been searching for. So like, it isn't going to be, I don't know, like he's found his, he's finished his motivation, I guess, halfway through wow. the show, which is. Which is good because it was kind of his one his one trick pony was I love gyoza so much, uh, and now he's there. And for the first time, there's been musical combat. Like the the people under Bach have come after them, and they had to like sort of do a music duel, which was it was okay. I mean, at one point, an emperor penguin dressed as Napoleon showed up and just smacked around a rat. <laughs> so that, I mean that that happened. You just said a sequence of words. I just <laughs> I never okay. thought I was going to see Napoleon emperor penguin, but like <laughs> I have I have a screen cap of it because it's. It's incredible. You know what? Dan's laughing, so we're we're in a good place. I, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure that the image in my head is way better than any execution they could have performed. It, it's probably is, but you know what? At least he keeps his flipper inside his coat. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I'll okay. give it that. All right. Congratulations to Classical Aid. Without watching it, you made me chuckle. There you go. And also, Bach appeared again, and he's he he gave instructions to his underlings, and he only talked in musical language. Like, it's he's like, everything I ever exactly wanted. Andante, Allegro. It it's like, everything yes, I could have All ever I wanted, wanted from you, Bach. It is, ex- yes. it is just as you predicted. It's like they knew. My, my hope, it's like they knew uh, so what I needed my they hope gave is it to that, me. My hope is that they run out of uh, musical terms and they just start talking about, like, I don't know, Italian pastas. Because <laughs> you know, every time you say I, no, andante, be... my immediate thought is, ah, al dente. <laughs> you know, you'd think that'd be true, but from playing Eternal Sonata, like, there's a lot of music terminology out there, so they're they're probably fine. <laughs> Plus uh, Bach that's... talks like never. Yeah. So that's that's classicaloid. Uh, anyone else got anything? We're probably down to the quick stuff at this point. Indeed, we are. So let's uh, let's rapid fire through those because I know we're kind of running out of time. Dan, uh, how's how's your extra stuff? Uh, the only other thing I'm really following is Poco Zudon World, and I mean it remains respectable, but it's not really thrilling. It's like it's finally uh, now by episode five, I believe. Yeah, uh, episode five. Basically, this guy's been on vacation from work to deal with his uh deal with his father's uh passing and uh sell the house or do whatever needs to be done and he runs into this you know he runs into this kid this tanuki kid, and he's been basically putting off work like they've called him a couple of times and he hasn't answered so finally he answers, and the last thing you hear is everything's terrible or something to that effect, Uh-oh. so it's like, oh, oh boy, this guy. I mean, it, we. I finally found out what he does. The guy's a web designer. So, fortunately, he's got a job that you can do from almost anywhere with an internet connection. And while his uh, town seems to be, you know, a bit in the sticks, it's not completely podunk. Uh, so, he could conceivably work from there. It's just no idea if that's going to be feasible, given how bad it sounds like things are at work. And he's also slowly starting to realize, like, he, you know, he really does enjoy being with his kid. There was never any time where he, you know hated the kid or was always trying to like get rid of him or anything he's always been you know sort of attached to him but now he's sort of he's he's growing into sort of a father role uh with the assistance of one of his best friends from back home who's this just shark-toothed doctor's assistant i don't know why they decided that that was going to be his defining physical trait but apparently he's got shark teeth so does his so does his father so at least we know it runs in the family um, I mean, it works for that uh, that swimming show, right? So it works here too. I, I, yeah, exactly. Where it does work for free. Yeah. All right, I have to, Dan. Of course, he doesn't live in Podunk. He lives in Poco. Oh. Yes. <clears throat> yes. And on that note, uh, I think Hooray. that's all there is to say. Congratulations, Sue. You got the final word. I did. Just in case anyone's curious, uh, Flip Flappers continues to be amazing. Uh, episode five drew very, very heavily from classic Japanese horror. It it actually kind of mm. gave me nightmares. Oh, great! Uh, well done. And episode six was a heartbreaking tale of dealing with a loved one with Alzheimer's. So Jesus. literally, still following the trigger model. I have no clue what is happening episode to episode, but we are getting into the overarching pl- plot of uh, what those things they're collecting are. And uh, what's crazy is that the episode with the the loved one with Alzheimer's, what they choose to do, the two girls, Papika and Kokona, what they choose to do in pure illusion starts affecting the real world. 
So we're getting into some really interesting territory. The show continues to be phenomenal. The art continues to be awesome, mind-bendery, crazy colors. I love this show. It's unpredictable, it's wild, it's having a great time, and I hope it continues all the way through so I can recommend it to, to you guys, Dan and Scott, and to everyone listening. Sweet. Oh man, and then of course, the only thing I'm still following is the uh, the Brave Witches, So, which is not a thing I would recommend. But... Well, that's all we have time for. Scott needs to not talk about Brave Witches. Haha, <laughs> 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 too bad. Oh well. Yes, you can hear about it next time. Alright, sounds good. All right, sorry we ran a little bit long this time, folks, but uh, hopefully next time Brennan will be back. We'll uh, try to be a little bit more concise, and we will see you all in two weeks. I won't. Shall we skate? (laughs) Catch you next time. Cheers.